it's the magic bullet, right? It's trying to understand where your business is at, how it's, what that growth trajectory looks like to understand if you are kind of buying up. And in a lot of cases, I believe that would make sense to maybe look at some of the bigger solutions if your business is on that kind of trajectory versus buying for today. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Most people might think of the distribution business as buy and sell, but distribution really gets complex in the industrial space. You have challenges such as price and rebate management, buying groups, rush orders, and millions of SKUs. Unlike manufacturing, you might have very different planning for your warehouses, including push and pull-based replenishment. The bin structures are so complex that they may contain layers and layers of information to ensure that the warehouse crew is able to manage their operations smoothly. So what do industrial distribution businesses need to know about selecting software? Also, how do industrial distribution software such as Apicore Profit 21, Apicore Eclipse, and Infor Cloud Suite Distribution SXE differ? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Infor Cloud Suite Distribution SXE's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their strengths in the industrial distribution space and why it is purpose-built for certain micro-verticals of industrial distribution industries. Finally, we discussed their capabilities such as universal search, push and pull-based replenishment, rebates, order types, and bin structure. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently. And for today, we have a very interesting solution. It's called Infor Cloud Suite Distribution. It used to be called SXC product. So we are going to compare this with other Infor products. We are going to be comparing uh, overall Infor strategy. But before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Dave for his intro. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with manufacturing leaders to help them create systems 
within their business to operate with excellence. And I come to you with more than 20 years of operations leadership experience and excited to be a part of the panel tonight. Thanks for having me. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself now? Absolutely, Sam. Thank you for inviting me. Excuse me. Uh, my name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved with ERP software for manufacturing companies since 1981. And if you do that math really quickly, it's about 41 years. So I must have been about, what, six, seven years old when I started. Um, <laughs> uh, I've worked all over North America. Uh, I've uh, also, I, I over my career, I've seen a lot of successes in ERPs, but I've seen a lot of failures too. And for that reason, I, I've done a lot of uh, uh, classes and education and training and teaching people how to evaluate and how to uncover the truth about ERP software. In fact, I have a published book on Amazon on the topic. And uh, again, thanks a lot for inviting me. Okay, for uh, being here, Andy. And if you're in the audience and joined for the first time, uh, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. Our panelists are going to be reviewing those and we try to address them uh, as we move along uh, and if you cannot get to them then uh, our panelists are going to make sure that we will answers on that note guys i am going to start with the quick briefing and the recap of all of the sessions that we have done related to infor so uh, i don't know whether you guys recall or not enforce overall corporate strategy and the overarching strategy is very similar to Apicor as well as Apchain, uh, those two companies. Um, they like to focus on this micro vertical aspect. The Most of the products that they are going to have are going to be purpose built for the industry. When we reviewed in four, we were trying to sort of find the differentiator. In the marketing material, you might not be able to find the differentiator. But when you look at the, the screens of different products, then you might feel why they call it purpose built. So we are going to be reviewing how CSD product is going to be different from the other product lines that they have. Uh, also, this is a very interesting uh, sort of micro vertical, which is called industrial distribution. In fact, uh, inside the industrial distribution, you are going to have very many layers. For example, we have reviewed products such as Apicor Eclipse, uh, Apicor Profit 21. They all are targeted for industrial distribution. And when I say industrial distribution, I am trying to sort of distinguish between your FMCG distribution, which tend to be very different than your industrial distribution. Now, inside industrial distribution as well, there are going to be many different micro verticals, which are entirely different the way they work, okay? The way their business processes are, the way their transactions are structured, the way they, they, they transact. So inside the industrial distribution space, uh, for example, when we look at the Apicor Eclipse micro vertical or the system, they were targeted more for the HVAC contractors or the plumbers or the trade contracting. That's where their play is. Apicor Profit 21 is a very similar product as in for CSD. They share a lot of different similarities. So we are going to be reviewing, okay, how uh, does Apicor Profit 21 compare with... Uh, in now, when you look at the Infor portfolio, Inside uh, Infor portfolio, I believe we have reviewed LN M3 CSI, which is the Cloud Suite Industrial Sightline product. And this is probably the fourth one that we are reviewing from Infor. 
one of the similarities that we are going to find in all of the Infor products, especially if you look at the cloud version, it all they all have that Infor OS layer, which is going to have that mingle look and feel. So when you look at the product, it's probably going to feel that it has some similarities, but underneath all of these products are completely different. The way they are built, the way they are architected, the kind of technology platforms are they are using. So when you are going to be switching from one Infor product to the next, it's going to be humongous transition. Okay. In fact, we are going to find a lot of different, you know, strengths and weaknesses in many different products. For example, let's say if you conclude based on Infor CSI or LN, that conclusion may not be relevant in the case of Infor CSC products. Uh, when we reviewed Infor LN or M3, we were struggling to find out the universal search. That was one thing. So here in the case of Infor CSC, you are probably going to find universal search and universal search is done very, very well. So again, uh, this is just one example. When we compare different products from Infor, they could be completely different. So when you are reviewing, let's say Infor products, don't just try to sort of conclude based on whatever you are hearing in the market because each, each product is going to have very different uh, capabilities. So pay close attention to these products and review them independently for the industry that you might be vetting for. Um, now, I think that's pretty much it from the briefing perspective. Dave and the, did I not cover anything that we typically cover as part of briefing? Any comments? Well, just the fact that, uh, you know, it's interesting. You're right. We've, we've, we've reviewed, I think, three or four, maybe five Infor products so far. Infor has probably the largest portfolio of products of any ERP vendor. They've got something like 200 different products. Now, not all of those are going to be on the go-forward uh, roadmaps. They're all supported, certainly. But here's an example of another one of their products, the SXE system. You made the comment about how what, if one system does it, it doesn't mean the other ones do it, or some comment like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's no question about the overlying architecture of the, of the OS and Mingle and all those functionalities. Um, but the actual core software, the thing is about Infor is that the reason why they're over $3 billion in revenue is mostly through acquisition. Even though they haven't been acquiring that many over the last, I don't know, five, eight years, up until then, they were very aggressive. And they were. that's the reason why they have so many products today. So when you're acquiring these products, the DNA is all different in every one of them. So the functionality, the capabilities, the look and feel are going to be unique as well. And again, today's will be another example. Yeah, could not agree more. The only thing I would add there is Apicor and Aptine, they are probably going to have very similar strategies as well. That's how they grew. Uh, and that's why they also carry similar number of products, uh, you know, if not more. <laughs> uh, more than 200? Um. Aptine, they are still really? acquiring. Okay. They, they are acquiring very aggressively right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Apicor is going to have a lot of products as well. Their strategy is slightly different. They don't have as many products, as you correctly pointed out, as in four. But still, uh, Apicor is acquiring a lot this year. I don't think they have acquired as many. But last year, I think they were really aggressive. They yeah, were acquiring sure. left and right. Well, the last, as I said, the last five, six, seven years, Infor hasn't really been on the buying uh, streak as they were previously. And there are other vendors that are certainly more aggressive in that respect. But I was just trying to explain how each of these systems are going to have a different look and feel and different, different 
like I said, DNA because they're they were originally different products completely. Kind of like in uh, Microsoft with all the Dynamics products, completely different vendors before they bought them, right? Yeah, completely agree. The only difference between Microsoft's strategy and these vendors is going to be Microsoft actually has rewritten some of their products. Okay, they have not written or rewritten all. But for example, let's say if you look at Business Central, that has Absolutely been... right. Yeah. Jeep, uh, any comments? No, m- more along the lines of where Andy was going. You know, I, I think my takeaway on this, uh, you know, trying to bring in some some insight from the operations side is, you know, a, a great place to key in uh, in terms of how you can compare some of these solutions is just taking a look backwards at at the history, uh, which is is really what Andy was alluding to, I believe, yeah. uh, where it, it's really a good tell to to understand the history how it came to be uh, underneath this umbrella to ultimately get to the point where you can say, are these two things similar enough that I can look at them and compare them? Or are they different enough that I need to identify some additional solutions to investigate? So beautifully said, Dave. Could not agree more. And one thing I would add there, when you look at the history as Andy and Dave, you pointed out as even let's say if the company acquires these products, uh, the support model could still be with the same team that originally built the product. So, for example, let's say if you go to Athene, you go to, uh, you know, Apicor Infor, and they have acquired one product, their support team may still be there. And the documentation is also going to be the same. Typically, these companies don't document from scratch. So that could be another area that you should be paying attention to when you are looking at the acquired product. Okay, guys, if you guys don't have anything else, then we will move through the slides. So here, this is the the experience that I was talking about when you compare this with, I think we have reviewed LN, M3, Sightline, all of them, when we reviewed them, we could not figure out, you know, how universal search worked in, in those products. For example, M3 sort of claimed that they had universal search, but if I remember correctly, they were sort of calling universal search on a specific screen that's not necessarily universal search when we reviewed apicor kinetic apicor kinetic has much better universal search even though from the architecture perspective uh in four products apicor products they are going to be fairly similar they are sort of half architected in the cloud native world they are not going to be products like your akimatic or netsuite so obviously universal search is going to be far more difficult if you had built them for the original cloud native architecture, then you probably would not have as much of a problem. But we saw that Apicor, even though they were late in the cloud game, they have somehow figured out the universal. Okay, but you know that is not true for products such as your uh, M3, LN, as well as CSI. They all struggle with universal search. So here in the CSD product, and by the way, in this industry, when you talk about these distributors. When you talk about the companies that are going to have very large number of SKUs that they need to carry as the distribution company. So here we are talking about millions and millions of SKUs that these companies carry. And if you are not going to have universal search, it could be problematic. The other point about these companies is going to be they are probably going to be very heavy on e-commerce. So obviously your e-commerce integration is going to be fairly common in this space as well. And again, if you cannot provide that e-commerce experience, even in the ERP, it's going to be harder for the team to be able to use these products. So that's why, you know, if you look at the SXE product, and Andy, this is the SXE product. Now, this has been rebranded 
as cloud suite distribution and i believe in four as both version one for smb another for enterprise and enterprise version is localized i believe in 35 countries so it's a very well done product uh, overall from the functionality perspective as well as from the the localization perspective so coming back to universal search the way universal search works it is going to be very similar experience as your acumatica or netsuite where you are going to enter any term and then it is going to find all of those vendors and voices ship tools now you might feel that you know what this should be intuitive in most products that you are going to review in 2022 but that's not true at all okay because there are going to be underlying data database limitations and typically that is the reason why other products cannot really enable that experience they are going to claim during the demo that okay i can do universal search but they will not be able to search on the data and sometimes that could be a challenge in many different products so when you are looking at universal search you are not simply looking at the screen search you are also looking at data search and that could be powerful to drive user uh, adoption so make sure you pay attention to that whether the product supports universal search or not in the case of uh, you know csc products they have done really well and they actually support beautiful universals yes, sam I, I would say that's definitely an area that ends up becoming an afterthought for a lot of people and seeing it right from the uh, operation side of things and knee deep in implementations you know that's where you start to understand the real power of this especially when you're going through uh customer service training let's say or sales training when they need to access this information quickly they've got somebody on a phone call and that ability can uh you know lose you sales uh very quickly so i just w just wanted to highlight that because again i think it's something that a lot of people uh kind of gloss over and and think oh we've got well-trained people we've got uh very experienced people they understand our SKUs, they understand how to access them um and you know people forget that there is churn there's turnover you have to do new train you know new employee training from time to time uh even in the best cultures so this is definitely something not to gloss over uh in a uh you know kind of high skew volume environment yep could not agree more the other thing i would add there is going to be so when you are looking at the other products that are not going to support universal search sometimes they could be uh, even more efficient because the way they searched uh, you know the 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 search could be great but you know that is going to have a little bit of transition there in terms of you know how you are going to be learning the products universal search if you ask anyone it's going to be slightly more intuitive they don't have to remember these menus they don't have to remember they don't have to remember how the product works so again there is going to be a little change when you are going to be training your employees as dave correctly pointed out universal search is probably going to be the most intuitive uh, for people who do not have any training and they have to figure out okay how to use this product they might not require any training at all if uh, you know the product supports universal search that is not to say that all of the products that don't they are necessarily bad or good it's just that they are going to have different way of operating okay so now the other thing and this is going to be very similar to your uh, you know epic or profit 21 experience so one of the things that we had noticed uh, when we are we were comparing let's say the sightline apicore profit 21 kinetic product uh, as well as this product so the customizability if you look at the sightline product it's far deeper in general uh, the way the customization works in that product 
because you are going to have that .NET like interface uh, and you can customize whatever you want. Okay, it's that powerful. But sometimes that could be frightening as well. Okay, so if you have developers who sort of understand how to customize that, then you know they are probably going to appreciate that. But for business users, if you have thousand different options and they may impact a lot of different things, that could come across as frightening as well. So we saw that Apicode Profit 21 and Kinetic, they took very different strategy in what they exposed for the customization layer. And we had very minimal uh, you know, options in, in for their customization. Now, that could be very limiting if you think about it, from, but it's also easier. So CSD product takes similar approach. Here, when you are going to look at user profile company, uh, it's going to be very similar feel as your site line. But when you are going to look at, uh, you know, the, the actual customization uh, capability, you are not going to have as many options. It's going to be very similar feel as your Apicore Kinetic or Apicore Profit 21. Again, this is not good or bad. It's just different experience. So make sure, uh, you know, you are paying attention to that. Okay, now when we look at the, the distribution space, that's very unique in general. Some people might feel that, you know, what, this is just buy and sell. What could be so complex in the distribution space? But when we look at the industrial distribution space, uh, there are key piece of functionality that you would require. In fact, the way you are going to be planning your distribution is very different from your manufacturing. And that's where the real trick is when you are going to be implementing an ERP. If you cannot get your planning right, most likely you your KPIs are not going to be right. You are going to be feeling that you have a lot of issues with your ERP. So that's why the distribution is very, very, very different from manufacturing. If you are going to be utilizing uh, a product that is really designed for manufacturing in your distribution operations, uh, you know, you are probably not going to be happy about it and uh, the vice versa. So here in the distribution space, some of the things that you are going to notice is going to be number one, you are going to have functionality for e-commerce. Okay, you are going to have functionality for a store operation. You are going to see things such as rebates, buying groups. You are going to say, uh, see things such as, you know, buyer's demand center. And that's a, the way buyers typically uh, sort of plan in the distribution space. It's very different. The way sourcing is done is very different. We saw proof of delivery concept in the case of our Apicore Eclipse, as well as if I remember correctly, I think Profit21 also supported that. And proof of delivery, uh, you know, sometimes it could mean so many different things. When you look at in the trade contracting space, the proof of delivery for them is when a person is really walking to the store, they are simply getting it signed, even though you can literally give them the receipt. So you probably don't need the signature there, but they still call that proof of delivery. So I don't know, you know, how the proof of delivery is going to be in the case of cloud suite distribution, but that is very common in the industrial distribution space that these products are probably going to have that function. The service and repair is another uh, functionality, key piece of functionality that we see in the distribution space because a lot of these companies are going to be doing repair for their large OEMs uh, and they require that. So that you are going to find even in the case of manufacturing as well as distribution. Um, and then you have the project job management. This is not necessarily the project-based manufacturing. Uh, it's slightly different. So again, I don't think cloud suite distribution is probably going to have SD functionality for the project job management. It has a little bit of manufacturing, but the manufacturing is not going to be as deep uh, overall on this product because it is really designed for pure play industrial distributor. That's where this product really shines. Hey, Sam. 
Yeah. What what would what would you what have you seen in the past with that light manufacturing? Would that be something like a, a kitting operation or something like that? So honestly speaking, there is always going to be a little gray area there. So even if you look at some of the distributors and these distributors, especially if you talk about industrial distributors, they may have 80% of their operations as a distribution, but their manufacturing could be extremely complex as well. So it's not necessarily going to be light manufacturing or just the assembly-centric manufacturing. Their manufacturing shop floor is probably going to be as complex as your manufacturing company. The trick with them always is going to be, now they have to make their mind, do they go for the distribution product or do they go for the manufacturing product? When you look at from the planning perspective, the way distributors plan their operation, they are going to have many different locations, many different warehouses. They are going to have need for transferring from one warehouse to the next. They are going to be requiring bill locations. Now, all of that you are probably not going to find in the manufacturing software. So again, uh, you know, if you talk to those distributors, they are going to feel that, you know what, I am equally complex in distribution and equally complex in manufacturing. And sometimes they make mistake that, you know what, I'm probably going to go for manufacturing software because manufacturing software should be able to do, but that is not true at all. Okay. Distribution operation is very, 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 very different. So if you are, let's say, 80% distributor, my my recommendation is going to be go for the distribution software and, you know, figure out how to do manufacturing. Some companies, what they do traditionally, they always had two different software, okay? They had, you know, AS400 for distribution and they will have BBA for manufacturing. Uh, That's how they operated traditionally. Uh, Some companies still do that. I would not recommend that because then you are going to have two different databases and you are looking at reconciling data in from two different systems, which is probably not the ideal place to be, to be honest. Um, so I would recommend in this particular case, go for the distribution software and simplify your manufacturing because manufacturing is not your bread and butter. Yeah, great advice. Okay. Um, so if you guys don't have any other comment, we will go uh, with some other uh, you know comments here on this one. And this is the, the search experience. And again, in this particular space, the search experience is going to be extremely critical. And in some cases, what we have seen when you look at, you know, slightly more legacy products that are not going to have as deep capabilities overall from the product perspective, then what companies do is they are going to be uh, having a lot of different variables. They are going to be putting a lot of information inside their description. So, for example, let's say if you look at uh, a lot of different distributors, especially in the industrial space, they are going to have many different variants as part of the product. So it is very similar to how your retail operations are going to work. For example, let's say if you go for any of the apparel shop, they are going to have the product variants. Uh, even in the case of your industrial distributor, they are going to have many different dimensions that are going to go with your items. So those are going to be equally critical for your sales analysis. That is going to be equally critical for your product search, uh, you know, the way product search works. So traditionally what companies did is they would put all of this information inside your description and then when they are going to be creating the part they have to do a lot of heavy lifting while creating the part while doing the code while doing the analysis so that was a huge pain in fact i mean this product when you look at this product it supports many different things for the search experience so again this is not really the universal universal search to be honest if the universal search was designed from the ground up then you probably would not have to do all of this but in this particular case, what they have done is they are searching based on your product number, description, 
quantity available as well as the extended description which is probably going to be roughly six characters that's what they had shown in the demo so they are combining all of this in a string and then they are trying to search okay whenever you are going to search okay based on trl i am going to show all of these queues that have trl in these queues again you know so they are trying to mimic that universal search experience it might not be the universal search experience that you are going to get in some of the other products such as Acumatica or NetSuite that, that may have done the universal search uh, from the ground up. But again, one of the things that I would advise here when you are looking at these products is don't put too much information inside description, okay? That's a huge red flag. If you are going to put too much uh, uh, information inside description just to enable your searchability, then you are looking at long-term maintenance of that information. So even though it might help from the search perspective, but you might cause a lot of problems. And that's where sometimes, you know, in my experience, when you are going to have this flexibility for your users, when they can put anything and everything inside the description, and sometimes they are going to be putting data related to your sales analysis or a property related to your item inside your description, that's going to be a nightmare for your implementation. Doesn't matter how good the product is, your implementation is probably not going to work. Your maintenance time is going to be longer. You are not going to get the sales analysis that you might look. And Dave, I know you are smiling, so I'm pretty sure you have a comment there. No, I, I, I was I, I, in total agreement, and I was just going to kind of offer a counterpoint along that, uh, along those lines, uh, from the universal search perspective. And I, earlier, I offered, you know, how valuable it can be when you're in training, when when you have people on your team. The counterpoint to it is, you will also be surprised how quickly people adapt to remembering uh, item codes, very uh, frequently used item codes. I know from an operations leadership perspective, that was a concern that I had during multiple implementations. And I was continuously kind of blown away by how quickly people relearned things that they were used to referencing, item numbers they were used to referencing for 5, 10, 15 years. And we were able to get them to uh, very quickly remember brand new, much longer item numbers. It's it's kind of that repetition and force a habit. So it does happen that it was just the counterpoint I wanted to offer uh, for people that, you know, are maybe focused in on this um you know, searchability and and to your point about having those descriptions, utilize the fields that are in there and don't don't bog the system down because uh, people will adapt. It does come down to the training of that. Could not agree more. Thank you so much for that. If we don't have any other comments, then we are looking at some of the very specific set of functionality that might not be available in your manufacturing software or any other ERP systems that you might be looking at. In fact, some of the uh, you know products may be positioned for retail and this, but they might not support uh, rebates. Rebates is a very common feature for industrial uh, even for your HVAC distributors. The way rebates work, that's a very involved functionality because when you are going to get uh, you know the vendor pricing sheet, you need to make sure that you are able to sort of incorporate all of that pricing sheet inside your SKU base, and let's say if you have the million SKU, good luck updating that. And if your uh, ERP is not going to support the Excel import functionality, it might take hours and hours of work just to update that. And then finally, the rebates are going to be equally critical as well. So most of the industrial distributors, the way they work is typically the they sort of skip, skip the procurement team. Okay, uh, so what is going to happen is the vendors are directly working with the salespeople, and salespeople have access to the rebate. So sometimes that could be a very 
challenging exchange overall there. So you want to make sure that number one, the rebate functionality is actually incorporated uh, inside your ERP. And if you have that, then you are probably going to go through the natural flow of ERP where buyers have their own responsibility of incorporating the rebates and then salespeople are simply utilizing that information as opposed to working with vendors directly. Uh, now, some of the other feature sets that you are going to find here are going to be, for example, bin location. I think we already mentioned that. Uh, you know, the back orders is very common as well that you might find in many, many different ERP systems, including your manufacturing. But the way the life cycle of back orders is going to be in the industrial distribution space uh, might be very involved. Uh, if you look at the allocations, the allocations and reservations, they are very deep as well. Again, based on the life cycle, the kind of reservations that you need to do if you have very involved distribution operations, you know, whatever you are going to have for your manufacturing might not be. So again, that those are some of the differences in the industrial distribution. Okay. So now in this particular product, uh, you know, again, that's a very different experience. And some of the things that you are going to feel that you are getting a little bit of SAP or Info LN experience, the way the product is structured. Uh, so again, you know, when you compare two or three different Info products, uh, the experience could be very different. So here, one of the things that you are going to notice is going to be, for example, promise date. Now, promise date is very common in the case of your industrial distribution you might not see promise date in other operations. Some industries use it, some micro verticals use it, but not everybody does that. But promise date is very, very, very common in the distribution because you want to make sure that you are able to deliver whatever you are promising. And for distributors, the customer service is the most important aspect of their business. It's probably not going to be cost and the uh, you know manufacturability of the product. Uh, so here, your delivery and fulfillment is probably going to be really critical for you. Um, some of the things that uh, you know I personally noticed in this particular product is going to be your order life cycle, the way your order life cycle is structured. And this is very Salesforce SAP uh, sort of experience where you have the dates as well at each of the stages. Now, this is very hard to find in many different products. Typically, distributors require this on one screen so that they can see where each of the order is so that they can communicate with the customers. Again, this is a very distribution-centric experience that you are not going to find with the other industries or the products. The other uh, differentiation that you are going to notice in this particular case is going to be a customer PO. Customer PO is very common. You might find customer PO even in the case of job shop as well because they are very make to order. They make based on the order that they are going to receive from their customer. But in the distribution, especially industry, the customer PO is going to be very common. Some ERP systems are not going to support that if they are not really that you know, designed for the industrial distribution. So make sure, uh, you know, you have that functionality. And then division, you are probably not going to find in the case of your manufacturing software, especially the SMB ones. So your division and, and bin functionality is going to be equally critical as well. The final point I would make is going to be related to the lines. The number of lines that you are going to have in the distribution order is going to be quite substantial. For example, let's say if you look at smaller manufacturing operations, you might have one, two, three, five, ten lines. But for distributors, it could be up to 100 lines. Uh, so that line experience is very important as well for industrial distribution. This is also very critical overall when you look at the way their codes are structured. And this functionality you are probably not going to find unless this is really designed for distribution. So for example, you'll find this in SAP. You will probably find this in Epicore. But the other ERP software might not have that. So the functionality is called show comment lines. 
show inactive lines, show subtotal lines. And in the industrial distribution space, sometimes you are probably combining two different codes. The item quantity on the same code, it's not going to be a different code. So that's a key piece of functionality as well in the industrial distribution space. If the product is not really designed for that, it may not be able to support all of these nuances where you are going to have subtotal, you are going to have comment lines, but your customers are going to be requesting that. So that is probably going to have the customer experience implications. And, uh, you know, if you have to develop this from scratch, that might be slightly harder left. So these are some of the key pieces of functionality that you are looking at. The order types. Order types is going to be very critical as well. So in this particular case, you are going to find some of the orders that you may have never heard of. Okay, products such as Acumatica, they try to incorporate some of these orders, but I don't think it has everything that your either Apicode Profit 21 or your uh, Enforce CSD can support. So here we are talking about stock order, direct order, future order. Okay, so now I don't know if the future order is going to be the blanket order, <laughs> but again, in the industrial distribution space, when you look at the way uh, the blanket order works, Especially when we reviewed Apicore Eclipse, it had very different functionality for the way the way the release lifecycle works, the way their blanket orders are stuck. So I don't know if this is going to be same, but these guys are wording this as future orders, so which could be very different as well. Then you have the standing order. The counter sale is going to be, let's say, if you're utilizing this for your POS operation as well. Some companies do that. Uh, counter sale is tricky. Uh, you are probably going to find that in Apicore Profit 21. You are going to find in a Acumatic as well, but for the most part, you are probably going to be using a POS uh, to uh, you know process your uh, store orders. Quote, return merchandise, and the correction. Again, you are going to find RMA. You are probably going to find quote. Uh, correction, you are probably going to find, but the other ones are probably uh, you know different in this particular. Sam, what what would be considered a correction order? I'm not sure if I've ever come across that before. Any any type of corrections I've seen typically are going to be right on the sales order, whether that's you know a, an adjustment to a line item or or something like that. What's what would a correction order be considered? So I think uh, you know there is a little comment there that we are going to see in the future slides on reviews, and I think they had mentioned that the the, the whole correction process is slightly different, right? So here you are not necessarily looking for, you know, if you're, let's say, correcting on the sales order, right? But then let's say if the sales order has advanced through the cycle, then you might have some more corrections as well, right? If the sales order has not been submitted, then it's a different case. But let's say if it is already in the mid of the fulfillment or if you have processed the invoice, then that's going to be a very different life cycle for the for the correction order. Uh, that so, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Just maybe some different different verbiage <laughs> that makes sense exactly exactly and by the way i mean see i think the review that we are going to see this product is still support those negative credits right so that's what the user was complaining about that the product architecture is still very legacy that it is still supporting the negative credit typically in the accounting community modern cfos are probably not going to be cool with that but you can do that in this product and sometimes people are going to find okay I do negative credit as <laughs> my business operation. That's the key functionality that I need. If you need that, you are probably going to be liking this product. <laughs> okay, so now the whole order entry process is very different, guys. Okay, this is not your ERP experience. And this is where I like to emphasize that, okay, when you move from Info product one to Info product two, it's going to be a very different experience. So here we are talking about the order entry similar to your Amazon. 
where when you are going to be searching, you are going to get your images, you are going to get the quantity, uh, you are going to get add item, you are going to get edit lines. Now, for a distributor, this is probably a very intuitive experience, uh, you know, the way they have processed this transaction always. In fact, if you look at Apicore Profit 21 and Apicore Eclipse, I think they had similar experience as well. But this is slightly different in my mind, the way whole line processing is done. So it's a very, very, very unique product. Now, if this is what Info calls purpose build, and you know, if these distributors really care for, they are probably going to absolutely love it. And the people who really use the CSD product or SXC product, they really like that product, most likely because of this. Okay, then the, one of the key pieces of functionality that I noticed in this product is going to be your shopping list, okay? And shopping list, typically you are going to see in your e-commerce platforms. For example, let's say if you look at SAP Hybris, or if you look at shopping list, I don't know, uh, I think I saw that in the case of Spriker as well. So typically that's a very e-commerce concept. Now, these guys are trying to support the shopping lists as well, which is a very powerful feature, the way your distribution operations are going to be. So here, uh, you know, typically the way the shopping list functionality works in the case of e-commerce is when you are going to be shopping, let's say today you have saved your shopping list that you typically buy, you know, 10 products at this price, then you are going to be uh, saving that shopping list. Then next time you come and then you modify that shopping list. So you may maintain multiple versions of shopping lists. And next time you are going to buy, you are simply going to pick a shopping list and you are simply going to press, press the order. The volume that these distributors have to process, uh, you know, from the transaction perspective for them, the saving of the card functionality or saving of the shopping list is absolutely critical. Okay. And that's probably the reason why they like the shopping list functionality. But I have personally never seen shopping list functionality inside ELP. I don't know if this is because in 4CSD is trying to give them everything from the uh, you know product experience perspective. It is trying to act as the WMS, ERP, as well as you know POS, as well as your uh, e-commerce. If that is the case, uh, then this would be useful. I don't know if any company is going to be using the shopping list functionality for their operation. But there are some variables that you are going to find inside shopping list that we are going to be reviewing on the next slide, which is going to be your last purchase date and last price. And typically, this is a very critical piece of functionality for a distributor because each time they are going to be purchasing, they have to make sure they are not paying more. So for each of the order, for each of the product, they need to know, okay, at what price did they buy? And sometimes that experience may require five clicks, six clicks, you know, five different screens, reports, uh, you know, so that experience could be very tricky to manage, uh, especially for a buyer in the distribution operation. And that's where I think the shopping list probably is uh, going to be used or maybe some distributors probably like the shopping list functionality inside your ERP. So here, the, the functionality that you're looking at is going to be searchability based on dates, whatever you bought, and then you are looking at all of the product, the quantity order, then the last price, the last purchase price, and based on that, you are deciding, okay, what product do you need to buy at what price? So in my mind, I think that is a this is a very interesting piece of functionality. If you try to build this on top of SAP Microsoft, Good luck with that. You are looking at very expensive development. Then you have some more layers here overall, uh, you know, for example, the rush orders. The way rush order functionality works, that typically impacts your in entire planning cycle. So it's not a simple flag that you can check on the order and that's going to be qualified as the rush order. So here, yes, that's how it perceives. But when you are going to be looking at the, the overall life cycle of the rush order, uh, typically that is going to have very involved 
functionality. So unless your ERP system supports the rush orders, it's going to be very hard to pull that off inside an ERP. Uh, if you guys have any comments, I can take those or move to the next one. No? Okay, so this is the demand center merge, and this is a very interesting piece of functionality as well, when you have to do those warehouse transfers. And warehouse transfers may not be even available in these smaller manufacturing systems because they don't have as complex warehouses. They don't have bin functionality, so they don't have to do all of this. But in the case of distribution business, you are looking at multiple locations. You are looking at multiple warehouses. You are looking at multiple bins. So when you have to transfer these things from one location to the next, that may require many different clicks. And sometimes that could be a very involved functionality as well. That's where you're the whole uh, you know, life cycle for buyers and the procurement team is going to be critical for the distribution operation. And that's where we saw that, okay, Apicor P21, as well as Eclipse, they did really wonderful job. Uh, to support the sourcing guys, to support the procurement and, and the buyers. Okay, so now here we are, again, the, the whole warehouse and the pins functionality is very involved. And typically you are going to find this functionality inside your warehouse management system where you are going to have the dimensions of different pins. And based on that, you are going to be slotting the product inside those bins. And then that's how you are probably going to be allocating and issuing the product. Now, that's a very complex functionality. Uh, and, you know, Enforce CSC supports that out of the box, uh, and they are going to have a lot of different layers uh, to support the distribution operations that you are only going to find in the distribution products that is designed for distribution. This is the screen for the bin allocation as well as the management at the item level. So if you look at the, the kind of replenishment that distribution operations require, they are probably going to be needing the push and pull functionality they are going to be needing different bin priority that you are going to see in, if I remember correctly, then Microsoft Business Central has this, uh, you know, you are going to see this piece of functionality uh, in uh, Epicode Profit 21. You are going to see this functionality inside SAP because all of those products target distribution operations. Okay. Um, you are not going to find all of this functionality inside your manufacturing products because they don't have that bin priority. So that's where the real differentiation is between your manufacturing planning versus your distribution planning. So if you are very involved distribution operations, make sure uh, you have all of these supported as part of your. Okay, and now the whole bin, uh, you know, functionality. And, and again, when we reviewed the Microsoft Business Central, we were thinking, okay, this is too much bin. <laughs> you know, that's a, that, that was our perception, uh, you know, on that product. But if you look at the distribution operation, they probably require bin functionality. And that's, that's why we are seeing consistent trend across all of the distribution products. They are really, really deep in that bin functionality. And that's probably the reason even in four, uh, you know, CSD has very deep layers of the bin functionality, the way it is going to be managed. And this is what you are going to see in the larger products as well, such as SAP, because they can do both manufacturing as well as distribution equally well. Uh, but again, if you are SMB, that could be slightly over bloated overall from the planning perspective. But here, you, if you are the distribution operation, you are going to appreciate the bin location, the size constraints, the whole uh, you know planning around bin is going to be extremely beneficial. Now, some of the reviews. So here, this is the company wholesale. So that's the right fit. Uh, you know, 200 to 500 employees, uh, you know, I would think this is probably going to be a right fit as well. Then, you know, this is the comment coming from the CFO. Okay. So here the person is saying the system maintains some archaic uh, accounting and or archaic processes like allowing for negative credits. Okay. In effect, a debit 
And yes, I agree with John that this is probably going to be a very archaic process. Typically, these are going to be the symptoms that you are going to see in very legacy products, uh, you know, for which the database is not really cheap. They still have the same database uh, as well as the backend operation. The only thing they have changed is going to be the front end. So, you know, you are going to find this. So this could be a deal breaker. Sometimes it might not be, but this is probably going, you are going to see this key piece of functionality uh, in a lot of different products. So here the user is saying as a financial super user, these types of processes can be confusing. The system has some gaps in areas like fixed asset, bank and credit reconciliation. Uh, and this is another challenge that I hear uh, in our market is going to be, let's say if you're looking at a lot of different vendors for your credit card processing, or if you require any sort of add-ons uh, to support your operations in distribution space, you are probably going to be needing that. So you are going to get a lot more options in the case of NetSuite, but you might not find as many options within 4CSG or with your Apicode profit. So keep that in mind as well. Okay, some more comments here. So here is the user saying the fact that it does not seem to have a way to be able to upload spreadsheet templates or use another method of input in order to save tons of time and effort for things such as vendor price changes continues to be a problem. And this is a humongous issue in the industrial distribution space. The amount of pricing changes that they are going to experience, especially today, when you have so much supply chain disruption, every day, every second, the price is changing, okay? And this becomes a nightmare for industrial distributor. And if the product does not support that, then that's probably going to be a huge issue. Uh, so make sure you have some way of, uh, you know, doing that inside the product. A lot of products are going to struggle with these spreadsheet functionality, products such as Acumatica, NetSuite, they might be okay because they are designed for that. But a lot of products will struggle with functionality, which seems to be critical for a lot of different industrial distributors. This and the user is simply agreeing with me that this new pricing and cost info for each and every part is real-time suck, and it drags the productivity of the company way down with each one uh, we are tasked with doing. Um, so this is the same issue that we just discussed. Well, just like most of the Infor products that we've reviewed, this one is fairly robust and fairly full-featured, as long as it's staying in its lane and, and targeted in the products that or the uh, industries that it's focused on, which, of course, is warehousing, probably multi-location, multi-warehouse, multi-bin, uh, you know, very full-featured. Yeah, and I think I it's got some specific features along those lines, you know, what, what we saw, some specific and interesting features uh, that can really, you could really take advantage of, um, you know, and then also just, just cause it's on my mind that last slide in terms of, you know, what, what type of impact that can have on your operation. I mean, you think about not just the, the kind of obvious things, right? Uh, errors that can happen from manual inputs, but you think of the financial impact on your business when somebody keys something in incorrectly or doesn't update a, uh, past purchase price, right? You're talking about Im margin impact, margin margin erosion, and you know ultimately lost profitability. So, uh, pretty important things uh, if you've got a again a high volume uh, number of SKUs. And Sam, to your point, uh, this constant, uh, especially lately, the the constant kind of updates to pricing due to the supply chain issue. So interesting, though. A lot of a lot I, of I interesting didn't see any features. Warehouse management capabilities, WMS. Was there some functionality like, uh, you know, like your uh, wave wave picking or uh, instructed putaways and things like that? Did you notice anything like that, Sam? 
Yeah, so honestly speaking, I think the way warehouse functionality is structured, it's probably going to be too much warehouse, to be honest, okay? And this is where sort of, you know, if Phil were here, then we would probably argue, okay, do you want to have a dedicated WMS? Because most distributors are probably going to be utilizing some sort of WMS. So now, uh, you know, do you need this functionality inside your ERP as well? And sometimes, you know, if you talk to any of the either, you know, VP of supply chain, VP of operations, uh, or the warehouse guys, they are always going to argue that, you know what, anything related to WMS resides inside WMS. ERP is for the ERP-centric functionality. But here, Andy, you are going to find very thick WMS functionality that is going to be your zones, that is going to be your bins, that is going to be your dimensions of bins. And in my, uh, you know, mind, when I look at the physical dimension, that is all should reside probably in WMS. So it's probably over WMS, but let's say if you don't have, uh, you know, funds to buy a dedicated WMS, then, you know, you are going to get everything inside one. Right. What, what about DRP? Did you notice anything to do with that? Yeah. So we saw DRP planning. I don't know if you remember the screen where we were uh, trying to show the push and pull replenishment, the way oh, your yeah. priorities oh, yeah. were structured. So that oh, yeah. would fall under. Dave? Yeah, Sam, I, I think to your point earlier about, you know, where the solution fits and, and if you're a, uh, you know, distribution business that also is doing some level of manufacturing to really break down, like, like all of the solutions that we've looked at, really understanding what's the core, you know, function of your business? Where is that, you know, core function going to be? What's that breakdown look like? two years, five years from now to, you know, make a smart decision because, uh, you know, not many companies, unless they're of substantial size, are going to have the resources, uh, you know, available to implement two distinct solutions and then do some sort of a roll up into, uh, you know, an, a, either a third or, or or take one of those as, you know, their roll up system. Right. So uh, just understand the, the core functionality of your business, what it what it's going to look like. And, um, you know, if, if if the majority of your business is a distribution model, it's uh, definitely a, a contender for uh, a lot of that uh, functionality. Yeah. Andy. I think I've uh, exhausted my opinions. So I am going to have a little question for you. So based on your experience, let's say if you look at different Info products, okay? So when you compare this with, let's say, LN, M3, Site, Line, how would you guys position each of those products? And if you guys remember any specific feature sets in each of the products and why they would be relevant for the specific micro verticals that uh, Info is trying to target. Um, Andy, if you want to go first, you can take and then ask Dave. Uh, well, sure. I mean, uh, you mentioned LN, M3, and Sightline. Sightline and CSD. I think those four. And versus uh, CSD. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. as, as we've discussed today already, the CSD product or the SXC product is uh, targeted at wholesale distributors. And, you know, whereas your Sightline you know, it's going to have some warehousing capabilities, but it's really designed for discrete manufacturers. Now, when you go to the next level up with the M3 and the and the LN products, we're talking about, um, you know, Fortune 1000 size companies that are going to be interested in those those types. Of, um, like, like we discussed during the investigation of the LN product, it's exceptionally strong when you're talking about multi-country, multi-company consolidations as well as uh, intercompany transfers and, and transactions and m3 very similar itself but more on the warehousing capabilities functionality so you've got four different products i think the big difference is is the 
size of companies they would target. Dave, uh, how would you position each of these products? What are some of the specifics that you have seen in, in all of them? Well, I think Andy did a good job kind of breaking it down. I, I, from my perspective, the challenge with any of these solutions is, you know, it's it's the magic bullet, right? It's trying to understand where your business is at, how it's, you know, what that growth trajectory looks like to understand if you are kind of buying up. And in a lot of cases, I believe that would make sense to maybe look at some of the bigger solutions if your business is on that kind of trajectory versus buying for today and, and some of that functionality. Because the other thing that we really didn't you know, bring into that discussion is what the product roadmap looks like for each one of these and how is that going to play into the kind of long-term viability of each one of the, you know, specific functionalities, if that kind of makes sense. That, that's how I look at this and, and what I think, <laughs> that's why this stuff is so challenging because even for people, you know, like you two that are on this panel that are, are doing this day in and day out, there are so many pieces to the puzzle when you are yeah. trying to make a smart decision when it comes to your ERP implementation. Uh, so the more information, the better. But but again, that's a little bit of my perspective, understanding what your growth trajectory looks like and, and trying to put that into understanding what a bit of the product roadmap is and, and really focusing in on, do I want to buy up into a solution we can grow into that maybe is a little bit beyond what we need from a functionality, process functionality standpoint today? Um, or are we going to just hope that our solution kind of grows with us in that product roadmap and we're, you know, in three years going to be doing another implementation? I don't think many companies have the appetite uh, to do that. Yeah. So the only thing I would add there, and this is going to be related to Andy's comment as well in terms of the roadmap. So I think the SXE product or the CSC product is definitely positioned in the cloud suite bucket. So I don't think the product is going anywhere. And this is also consistent with Epicor's strategy, even though they are trying to consolidate many different products, but they would probably require an industrial distribution product uh, just because it, the space is just so different, right? So that's why they have to keep multiple products for these patches. Uh, I don't think the vanilla product is going to work for these patches. And that's why I do believe that this is probably going to be part of the uh, So you can probably confidently comment on this product. Just a, a side comment, uh, just a, a two of your opinion, because you're using the term roadmap over and over again. I've always seen product roadmaps as not much more than a marketing, because usually they, they're, they'll they have some type of a caveat at the bottom saying that, you know, none of this is for sure 100%, things are going to change, things are fluid, et cetera, et cetera. So how much validity can, can a person really put into seeing these product roadmaps? Uh, you know, roadmap does mean, to be honest, something, if you look at SAP's roadmap, yes, they are going to have asterisk because they are going to avoid the legal trouble. Nobody wants right. to overcome it. Sometimes there are going to be challenges in the market, such as COVID. Nobody can foresee that. So that's why they have that asterisk. But for the most part, the credible companies, whatever they are going to commit, you know, they have to deliver on the roadmap as well because investors are actually watching. Them, okay. Mm. So if you are going to be publicly funded and all of a sudden you are going to remove that, okay, yeah. you are talking on Wall Street that, okay, I'm going to be delivering this in 2023 and all of a sudden you are going to change the plan. Nobody's going to appreciate that. So for the most part, in my mind, if you look at the companies that they publish. Publicly traded is probably the difference between a private company, right? That's going to be the big, a huge difference. 
Yeah, go ahead, babe. No, the only thing I was going to add to that, Sam, I I think another place you can look, Andy, is at their acquisition strategy, right? Uh, Because that to me is going going to also illustrate where they're headed to from a solution standpoint. I mean, if they're if they're out there actively acquiring, um, I, I can't remember the um, uh, solution that we're looking at recently, but you know, added functionality is what's in my mind. When when they're acquiring businesses to add functionality or to uh, beef up, um, you know, some portion of their solution offering, I think that's another good place to look. That is, you know, some sort of a soft commitment in in kind of where the product trajectory is going, and and ultimately how they may be able to utilize that technology in existing technology on their way to pushing everybody to the cloud because we all know that's where we could not agree more guys so we are close to our time do you guys have any short comments uh, otherwise we need to wrap this is great thanks a lot sam yeah thanks awesome guys so that's it for today if you join for the first time this was part of our industry series for which we meet every tuesday at 5 30 p.m eastern we pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently so make sure you guys are going to be here next week we are going to come back with another vendor or the solution on that note thanks everyone for your time and insights tonight. Thanks. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about NDE Practical, head over to esoft.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Billy Ains, who shares his insights into the B2B e-commerce journey for construction distribution business. Also, the interview with Ben Rudnick, who shares his insights into how companies can increase their revenue by improving the findability and searchability of their product lines. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.